courage and bravery is a muscle. It's built. It takes acting in spite of fear and resistance. And it gets, it gets easier. It doesn't ever go away because that's human nature, but it does get easier. And that's how we become quote unquote, like fearless or strong, or, you know, it's, it's by in those moments of insecurity, fear, and uncertainty that we just take action anyway, and messy action, messy action in the beginning, just do it anyway. It's not going to be perfect. Welcome to the Dairy to Move podcast. I am your host, Colleen Wetmore. Each week, I will give you a guest or a thought that will help you become aligned with your soul and your life purpose. We will have conversations about raw and real topics with inspiring and motivational individuals. So let's get deep, and I dare you to move into who you were meant to be. Welcome back to the show. Um, if this is your first time, welcome. If you are a recurring listener, I love you very much and I am so glad that you're back. Um, this week has been crazy and I'm not talking about personal crazy. I'm just talking about the fucking planet. Australia's just in flames, as you all know. It's literally breaking my heart. Like, I'm just tearing up just thinking about it. There's a new number out that billions of animals are di- are dead. Um, as we know, a lot of people are just, 24 people are dead. Uh, what was it? 1,400 homes are just, are burnt. It's just, it's horrible. 18 million acres are burnt. I, it's just heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. I don't know. And then obviously, U.S. and Iran. That's fun. So I just, I don't feel like, I don't know. I feel like the world is in a very scary, it's a scary place right now. But the best thing that you can do is take care of yourself, but help other people too. Like, I think that we get so caught up in the self-help journey that we forget to help other people and other people really need our help. So I would suggest looking into volunteering, doing something, anything, donate money. If you can, donate time. Um, I donate, I try to donate money, maybe 20 bucks here and there when I can. I don't have a lot of money, but I still try to donate. I definitely want to get better at donating my time because it's very important. But my heart's go, my heart goes out to Australia. Ugh, I'm going to start crying. Okay. Whew, moving on. So today... We have a very, very powerful episode 
Um, Jessica D. DeMar- D. Marcus is on. And she was, I worked with her. She was one of my life coaches. And she is honestly one of my favorite people. Um, as you will hear in the beginning of this episode, I heard her on a podcast and I knew I wanted her and needed her in my life. Like, I was just instantly like, holy shit, who is this girl? I need to go talk to her and everything. Um, so yeah, she became my life coach last June. And I liked that she had the psychology background just because I've always been into psychology and it... I think it helps me understand humans better and it helps me understand my mind a little bit better when I get the psychology part. So, you know, that's what I needed in my life at the time. But she is just amazing. She's so smart, so passionate. She's just, she's just a very, she's just, she presents herself really well. She's just an amazing person and I love her to death. Um, We talk a lot, we talk about her burnout and coping with it, feeling guilty and selfish when it comes to self-care, talk about boundaries, healthy relationships, core values, ego, courage, and bravery, and her, so her stuck moment was huge. It was huge decisions that she made, and I just was like, my jaw dropped, and I was like, holy shit, I did not know that. So this episode is really good, and I know you will enjoy it, and Like I said, I know the world is really kind of shitty right now, but just focus on yourself, but then do what you can to help too. Like just, I know it's hard to deal with world issues, but we have to. We have to deal with them. We have to try and change them. Obviously, it comes from within first, but just try to, just try. But I wish you all the best and I'm sending love to everybody and like I said Australia I I'm I'm thinking of you and I'll be praying for you too I heard you on a podcast it was the well honesty podcast I think with Rachel from almost 30 group and I fell in love with you and I was like, oh my God, I need to have this woman in my life. So I reached out to you and then you worked with me and you helped me. And you're one of the reasons why this podcast is happening. So thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. <laughs> but so yeah, do you want to uh, just share a little bit about yourself, how you got started for those of us who don't know you? Absolutely. Yeah. So um Currently, right now, I'm a therapist, life coach, and yoga teacher, and I say all of that because I still am active in all of those realms, Um, and I think that I integrate all of them into each of the roles, Um, and I think for a while, I was keeping them separate, and now I see the beauty of the integration. It wasn't always like that, though. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I am a licensed mental health therapist, and that's how I started. I did the whole college, grad school, like, you know, basically working for free for licensure and then cheap for supervision and then grinding and being like, wait a second. <laughs> I just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars all these years, spent all this time becoming licensed. And I'm still feeling like I'm not able to fully step into my gifts, what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when, at that point, I had already worked with some life coaches. I was like, I want to start integrating this into 
my practice because these are clients that I feel like I can help and serve that I'm just not getting in my therapy work. So I started coaching, um, loved it, um, but was really struggling with some personal things and so wasn't really able to step into it fully until a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And over the last few years, I've been transitioning and stepping more fully into my work, um, cutting back on therapy, increasing coaching, adding um, my spiritual practice into Mm -hmm. my modalities and um, becoming a yoga teacher and Now I do all three and speak on it. Um, I do research on them. I teach professionals about them. I integrate it in my work with my personal clients. um, And obviously like with myself, because I am my biggest client. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a a very quick synopsis of the last decade (laughs) um, of my life. Yeah. So what was it about just doing therapy that wasn't filling you up? Yeah. So, um, I am trained in trauma. That's my specialty. Mm -hmm. Um, and that looked really different, but the majority of my work was, um, sexual abuse, um, with children and women. And I love that work. Love it. And I still do it. Um, and it is very difficult um, to do for 40, 50 hours a week, Um, especially in the type of environment I was in where there wasn't a lot of support um, for the clinicians themselves. So a few years in, I became burned out. I didn't know that's what I was experiencing. I was feeling cynical and overwhelmed, and I was fatigued. I was not coping in the most appropriate, healthy ways. Um, and just a few years of the work-related stress and poor coping strategies on my part, I ended up finding myself in a really um, unfamiliar place. And when I started looking into it, realized I was burned out. And um, doing self-care as the remedy um, and starting a personal challenge and journey of implementing it more consistently into my life um, is what really kind of helped me thrive as a therapist and recognize um, how that type of work I was sustain long term, not as sustainable for me, and how I wanted to implement other aspects of my being and my gifts and my talents into my work. And that's how coaching and yoga um, came to be later on. But that's really um, what ended up happening. I just became burned out and I'm not the only one, like seven out of 10 employees are burned out. It's now a medical diagnosis. There's an ICD 11 code for it. (laughs) It's, um, you know, being treated by, you know, primary care physicians. Um, and it's, it's a real thing and it's more significant and common than, than people acknowledge. It's not, it's not people being, you know, um, lazy. It's not, um, this like new hashtag. It's a real thing. And, and left untreated, it can cause significant distress, not just at work, but in people's personal lives, their marriages, their health, their finances, their mental and emotional health. It's some pretty nasty stuff. Yeah. I love that. You said that burnout is not, you're not being lazy. Like yeah. you're not using it as an excuse to get out of whatever you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, there's like a generational gap where, you know, a lot of people um, are just kind of not acknowledging what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. 
But I think that the generation now is experiencing an environment um, and the conditions as a result of that that are just putting them in this perfect equation for burnout. Um, they're just experiencing stressors emotionally, financially, environmentally, globally that we just, generations prior, they had their issues. It's just the combination of it is just really tricky right now. Yeah. And I think like, yes, I feel like it's getting worse, but I also feel like back then it wasn't, I don't think it, maybe it wasn't as known. They just kind of was like, this is what it is. And now we're kind of just like, no, we need to start taking care of ourselves, especially women. Yeah. Like we have always been, especially generations before us have always just been women take care of everybody else. We don't take care of ourselves. And Mm. it's like, how many women were so miserable back then probably. And even today, because they're just, they're like my husband and my kids, my family's my whole life or, and Mm -hmm. that's it. And they don't, because I even think moms and wives can get burnt out. Everyone can get burnt out. Take care of yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. And I tell people yeah, all the everyone, time. Yeah. Men too. <laughs> yeah. Ex- yes. I'm not trying yeah. to just generalize it just to You're, women, you're yeah. right. Well, there are some risk factors. So individuals who are, um, you know, from um, a lower set socioeconomic status, individuals with less training or education, um, women. Um, individuals who are younger, um, individuals who has a history of mental health or substance abuse, um, individuals from a minority population, like those are risk factors to put them at a higher risk of experiencing burnout. And no one's immune. CEOs, stay-at-home moms, plumbers, <laughs> pop stars, like everyone can experience burnout because it is just work-related stress and poor coping on our strategies, which can happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. And Speaking to your point about um, women, I think women have always experienced burnout, but um, like you said, there was not a place or time for them to advocate for themselves or really do that exploration. And now not only are they experiencing the same stressors from before of taking care of their family, their marriage, their home, their communities, but now they have the added addition of a 40 to 60 hour work week too. Right which they didn't have before. And it's just, you know, again, it's this perfect combination for just a disaster, just awaiting to happen. (laughs) We don't take care of ourselves and be proactive about it. So what did you do to help cope with your burnout? So at first, if I'm being honest, uh, lots of ice cream, lots oh, of yeah. wine and Netflix <laughs> and um, lots of, um, I, I, I am a reader so that I would say that was a healthier coping skill. Um, lots of caffeine um, and lots of like impulse spending. Like I was buying a lot of mm-hmm. clothes that I didn't want. Like it was just, it wasn't horrible um, no one batted their eyes at me or even questioned it because it wasn't anything out of the norm. Uh, right. But but I know for me, it wasn't the healthiest way of dealing with it. So eventually when it got to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, I want to quit my job and leave my eight-year relationship. What the hell is going on? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, then I really started like diving in. I started listening to podcasts, reading books, reading articles, pulling out my textbooks from grad school. And the answer was in front of me the entire time. It was put yourself first, Jessica, self-care. Yeah. Yeah, That simple thing. So I, um, 
impulsively, I, I know the power of making a habit because at that point I had a few life coaches I was coaching as well. And um, I was like, okay, well, if I know self-care is the remedy, I need to make this a habit because this isn't just going to work one time. Like if I don't find a sustainable way to implement this, like I'm just going to feel better now and then it's going to come and get me again. Um, so I impulsively was like, oh, the happy social worker project. I felt like it was an oxymoron at that point, like being happy and being a social worker. And I didn't even know what Snapchat was, but I was like, how can I share this with people and make it accessible so that it's not this lofty idea? It's 10 seconds a day. Like you have 10 seconds a day to watch what I'm doing to take care of myself. Um, and so I called it the happy social worker project and I committed to doing 365 days in a row and I documented it on Snapchat, <laughs> uh, because I was like 10 seconds a day, Jessica, there is no excuse in the world. You could have ammonia and still do a 10 second video. So, um, and it was really interesting because it, wow, the first 30 days were hard. I, I didn't, I, I didn't realize one, like how infrequent my self-care was. And two, when I was documenting it, I realized how I was doing unhealthy self-care and not really identifying all areas of my life. So the first day I took like a bubble bath. The second day I like, you know, took a lunch break. The third day I like got my manicure. The fourth day I like watched Netflix. And by the fifth day I was like, what the hell do I do for self-care? Like I did all the things in my toolbox. Wow. And, that, and that's when I realized, wow, like self-care is a really dynamic, personalized practice. And sometimes it's boring. And sometimes it's outside of the physical domain. Like yeah. how do I take care of not only my body, but my mind, my emotions, my spirit, my relationships, my bank account, my job, and really create this as a lifestyle versus something I do after five o'clock. Mm -hmm. um, and just for my physical body. And when I realized that, then my self-care got real dynamic and it got real personal. I started implementing things like prayer. I started implementing things like journaling, reading books that were not related to my job. Um, what saying no, that was like a huge thing. I remember when I was like on day 100 and I was like, holy shit guys, I said no. <laughs> and that's my self-care today. I said, no, I can't take that extra group just because that person called out sick. I remember when I took my first mental health day and just called out, no notice. It wasn't planned. I just was like, Hey, I'm not with it today. <laughs> I'm yeah. going in and that, and that, and dealing with those feelings of guilt. And I remember when my self-care was, um, putting limits on my social media, it was going to the eye doctor and getting a new pair of freaking glasses. It was, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, um, getting new sheets, doing the laundry that's overflowing in the corner, like using my dishwasher versus hand washing my dishes. Like self-care got boring, but because I was doing it consistently, it really became like integral in my healing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I try to communicate to people that it's a personalized practice that changes as you grow, but it's a dynamic practice and it's a proactive practice. It doesn't just work when you need it. You have to do it consistently. Yeah. And yeah, I ended I up doing it for two years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 650 days because wow. day 365 rolled around. People were like, are you really done? I've been following you forever. Please don't tell <laughs> me. So I did it for another year. And then I was like, all right, guys, I've published research. I have a course. Like at this point, if you want it, you can find it in other ways, but I'm not going to be documenting it Every anymore. Day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you're doing it for yourself now. So that's all that matters. Exactly. exactly. And I hope that within those two years, I've inspired people to really think about this in a different, deeper way versus this like bubble bath manicure, like 
feminine yeah. practice. Yeah. Yeah. I know my self-care was binge watching TV and that did yeah. absolutely nothing for me. I mean, it's <laughs> nice every once in a while, like Friday right. night, I'm like, all right, I'm going to binge watch my shows and just numb out, which is fine. But it's like, I was doing it every day from the time I got home at 5 p.m. till the time I went to bed, 10 p.m., woke up in the morning, watched a show while getting ready for work. Like it was not good. I was a very angry person, but yeah. So yeah, I like that you did that because it shows people that there's more different ways of self-care. Absolutely. And it was so, it was so healing for me. I learned so many things doing that. I learned one, self-care is not selfish. Mm -hmm. I had this crazy belief that the more I gave, the more value as a human I had. <laughs> and I would give and give and give. And I would give when I had nothing to give. And it was crazy because I felt guilty saying no. I felt guilty when um, I wasn't showing up or doing all the things or saying yes to requests. And I really had to, it took a while. I would say it took about six months to really kind of step into that fully and understand where that guilt was coming from and say yes to myself even mm -hmm. if it meant feeling guilty, because I knew that that guilt was a temporary feeling and that it was stemming from like this really distorted belief. And that by me taking time to be quote unquote selfish, mm -hmm. that later on I can be more selfless because I actually had more to give. I had clarity, I had energy, I had stuff in my cup because I did what yeah. I needed to do first. Um, you know, I, I learned that self-care is a shared responsibility, that we need to share that with others and um, hold others accountable to respecting our self-care and letting other people know like our boundaries. And um, yeah, I learned, I learned so many really amazing things from doing it. Um, and it was really cool to inspire others to do it too. I had a few people do their own like hundred day self-care challenges. Oh, nice. and it, yeah. And it was beautiful seeing what it looked like for them. Yeah. You know, um, I think for me, I don't remember if we, I think we talked about this when I worked with you, but I was having trouble not feeling selfish mm -hmm. doing my self-care and doing things that were important to me and make that make me happy. Um, I don't know if you noticed that from a lot of other people, but I know that's a huge thing for me. And it's something I'm still struggling with that like, I know, like, I know that self-care isn't selfish, but I still feel guilty about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, have you and it, you're absolutely right. It's super common. I would say everyone feels it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially initially. And what I would say is if you feel that guilt, which you probably will know that that's normal, mm. right? That yeah. it's completely normal. Most people are experiencing that and that it's not, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. It just means it's a new practice. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, to kind of challenge that that feeling, because that feeling stemming from a thought and a lot of times the underlying thought is I shouldn't be doing this or I could be doing something else or blank wants me to do this or I have this epic to do list. Right. And really challenge those thoughts where it's like, OK, well, where are you on that to do list? How do those things serve you? How are you showing up to those responsibilities, those relationships and those tasks, mm -hmm. right? And when's the last time that you did do something for yourself? And really, again, challenge those underlying thoughts that are probably manifesting in the guilty feeling when you do something for yourself mm -hmm. and try to find a truer thought, right? Um, and, that, and that takes practice, right? Yeah. 
I've heard pod, like people on podcasts, they're like, well, if you have plans with like a friend for a dinner or a lunch, you're not going to cancel those plans for something like a work related thing or whatever mm-hmm. or something else. But if you have like a dinner date with yourself, right. you're more willing to cancel it because you're like, right. oh, we can just do it another day. Right. And that's a huge thing. Oh my gosh, Colleen, I'm so glad you said that. That's a huge thing. Like you're not going to find the time. Like you're going to have to make the time and honor the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a huge wake up call for me when I was doing the self-care challenge. Like it, if I was going to say yes to myself, it meant saying no to other things. Right. And in the beginning, that was really hard for me because I was like a people pleaser. I was a caregiver. I literally got paid to do it too. So it reinforced it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really difficult for me to, um, if someone wanted something, um, say no to them so that I could say yes to what I had scheduled. Um, and it was really hard for me to honor those times. And it took practice, but um, I would say within like three months, not only did was I better able to honor the time that I had carved out and the activities that I knew were important for me to take care of myself, but that courage and that self-trust and that self-reliance and that self-worth, they built over time. And I was able to take massive action on bigger things that I needed to do for my self-care, like leave the toxic work environment I was in, um, leave the unhealthy relationship I was in. But um, it took a few months of me like practicing tuning in and saying yes to myself and honoring myself and building the courage to actually do what I needed to do yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. Were but people around you uh, kind of like, what is she doing? Or were they supportive? Uh, um, I had like my tribe, you know, like my, mm-hmm. a, few, a few of my girlfriends who were like, you go girl. Like, I love this. Like, you know, like yeah. sending me love all the Aww. time. And that was about it. My family, definitely. There was some backlash on my relationship. There was some conflict mm-hmm. there. Um, and even, you know, surprisingly, and, and uh, I really, I struggle to say this, but I'm going to say it because it's true. And whoever's listening, I think might, might need to hear this. Even in my workplace, as a therapist, as a, as a social worker, where we preach self-care, mm-hmm. I got some backlash. Wow. Which was, which was really surprising. I remember sitting in a staff meeting and um, being really excited to share what I was doing and encouraging people to be like, hey, follow me. Like, let's do this together. And people literally laughing at me. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I just was like, wow, I can't share this here. So for a few months, I didn't share it with the people uh-huh. at, my, at my job, but then they started to notice things like me set up boundaries, my mood being better, my clients being happier, my, my, um, my show rate improved, my client survey forms were significantly better than other providers in the office. Um, I was more engaged. I had lost a few pounds and people were just like, what are you doing, Jessica? I said, Oh, remember that happy social worker project? (laughs) That's what I'm doing, boo. Like I'm taking care of myself and, um, look what, look what's happening. Yeah. Um, and then I started to get some support and then I realized, um, I need, I need to advocate like this is a foreign, not a foreign concept, but just something that, um, 
systematically wasn't supported in that agency. And, and I was like, okay, well, if they're starting to notice a difference in me, it's, it's my, it's my role as an advocate to step up and really kind of like practice what I preach. And slowly, but surely they had me doing presentations at staff meetings. They had me sharing yeah. things that I was creating. And um, now, now I'm part of systems and organizations that really support that and have allowed me to share it on a bigger platform by publishing research and teaching professionals and offering continuing education courses and things like that. But um, yeah, four years ago when I started it, people were not as supportive. Well, bravo you for doing it. And (laughs) I think that we as people just need to do us, do you, and people will either follow or they won't. That's their choice. They're not ready to follow, I guess, at that point. So yeah. So speaking of boundaries, yeah, um, I know this is something I struggle with. I'm sure many other people, listeners struggle with this. So what are they for those who don't know? And then yeah. how can one do them? <gasps> Ooh, the B word. I love boundaries. <laughs> and you know, from working with me, I how much so I love good at it. <laughs> boundaries. Um, yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Um, what are boundaries? Um, boundaries are, wow, I've never actually defined them. I'm trying to think of how I would. That's what I'm saying. I feel like it can get kind of confusing for people who's new to the whole self-care, self-love space. I think boundaries are physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, energetic, financial, um, standards that we have and that we honor for ourselves and we hold others accountable to respecting. Mm-hmm. So that's how I would define boundaries on the spot. If I thought about it, I might flush that out or take <laughs> yeah. some things out, but on the spot, that's how I would define a boundary. And um, there are three things to boundaries that I teach all of my clients. Um, mm-hmm. And um, the first thing is you gotta get clear on what your boundaries are. And, um, it's interesting because when you ask people like, Hey, what are your boundaries? Mm. Uh, Exactly. It's like, uh, you know, like crickets in the background. Yeah. So, um, you got to get clear on what your boundaries are. And a lot of times these microaggressions, if not like full blown violations happen and people get upset about it, but then it's like, well, did you know that that was a boundary? Right. Mm. Um, so that's step one. And step two is, did you communicate that that was a boundary? Mm-hmm. And this is a huge one, especially in the, in the couples work that I do <laughs> and at work, um, individuals who are experiencing like boundary violations at work. It's like, did you clearly communicate that to them? Like just because you work there for a long time or it's in your PMP manual or you're married to him or it's your best friend, they're not mind readers. If you aren't clear on what they are, they sure as hell aren't clear on what they are. And if you didn't articulate them clearly, how in the world are you going to expect them to, to like expect them to honor them? So I think that that is our responsibility in the boundary world where we need to understand what they are and clearly communicate them. And here's the third thing. It is our job to hold others accountable if and when they approach cross or violate a boundary. And this is a part that a lot of people don't teach. A lot of people don't know. And a lot of people don't do myself included. This was a huge, huge turning point for me. 
um, and in relationships and at work and with myself, honestly. Um, we have to hold people accountable because we can say X, Y, and Z is my boundary, right? We can know what it is and we can even communicate it, which is a lot more than what most people do, but we can do that. And if a person approaches that boundary, crosses it or violates it, and we don't say or do anything, that boundary is now void. Yeah. Right. So I, a lot of girls are like, I don't understand. Like I said it and blah, 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 blah. blah. And it's like, okay, what did you do? Right. Even with men, it's like, you know, Hey, this was the expectation. You communicated it. But when they sent you that email at nine o'clock on a Friday, did you respond? <laughs> and if you responded, then that conversation's void, right? So yeah. at, the, at that point, we have to, it's our responsibility to hold them accountable and make tough decisions regarding that interaction and that relationship if that person continues to kind of not respect them. Um, but yeah, again, I think a lot of people pass the buck on boundaries and go, oh, like they should know that's my partner or that's my boss or that's my best friend. And it's like, no, 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 boo-boo. That's, that's, our, that's our work. That's, that's our realm. The, the, ball, mm -hmm. the ball's in our court. And we really need to do all three of those steps to have um, good boundaries. And, and my, mind you, I know I'm talking about it like, hey, three steps, because I try to make these big concepts simple. And at the same time, like this takes work. It took me, if I'm being honest, um, mm -hmm. six months to finally like respect a boundary that I had set in my relationship at the time. Um, that I had set three years ago. And then it took me a whole nother year to actually hold him accountable to <laughs> the boundary that I had kind of set. So th this, this, is, this is hard stuff that takes time and practice, but um, it really could be that simple if you break it down into those three parts. Yeah, wow. I think the hardest, yeah, no, never mind. They're all pretty hard. <laughs> I, was yeah. say, I was like, wait. Nope. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. I think communication is probably the easiest. Mm -hmm. Then I feel like finding yours, some of them, like for me, like, well, I could see like you go like at work, you could be like, I'm not responding to emails after 7 PM and that's a boundary. So you have to follow through with that. I feel like that one would be easy, but I feel like maybe with your, like a relationship, I need to meditate at 9 PM every yeah. night. No ifs, ands, or buts. I feel like yeah. that one probably is a harder one just because if you're like living with someone or mm -hmm. in a relationship or something I don't know I feel yeah that's just me so it's probably just depends on the person and what the boundary is yeah absolutely and and that's another those are great examples sometimes boundaries are small sometimes they're big right sometimes a boundary is like black and white like hey um yeah that's how I'm seeing it is more black and white I don't know what like the middle um, ground would be I, with boundaries, it's hard to have a middle ground, right? I think at that point, like, is it really a boundary? Um, but w I would say there's some gray area in terms of like, there are clear boundaries where it's like, don't, I don't respond to emails after 7 p.m. on Friday until 9 a.m. on Monday. And then there's some boundaries that are a little bit more like gray where it's like, uh, hey, I don't engage in conversations um, that are like, you know, energetically like pessimistic or draining okay, that makes sense. or, or like um, the work water cooler. You're like, I'm not engaging in this. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's a little, that might be harder to define as like black and white, Yeah. but it, but it doesn't mean that it's not a boundary. And at that point, that's where that self-awareness comes in, where you need to understand where, where is that boundary for you? Like, do you want to engage in like workplace, like camaraderie? Yes. 
And if it starts to get negative or someone starts to get thrown under the bus or there starts to be some like negative Nancy or cursing or inappropriate talk or boundary violations or client disclosure at that point, like that, that might be the boundary and you might need to step away. Okay. Now that makes more sense. Now I'm like, I feel like the whole boundary thing, even after months of working, it finally clicked in my head. I'm like, oh, Yay! There we go. Hopefully yeah, everyone else. <laughs> It's, oh, it's tough. God. It's tough stuff, but it's important. It's important stuff for sure. Yeah. For yeah, everybody. I was just thinking of boundaries, just like just the black and white. And then I'm like, Oh wait, yeah, that makes sense. There is the gray middle ground too. That you gotta, okay. That's mm-hmm. how it all makes sense months later, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess now would be, I kind of want to jump into healthy relationships and what, I kind of want to ask you, what do you define a healthy relationship as? Yeah. Oh man, these definitely I'm making you think today. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it's early too. It's like a Saturday morning. <laughs> I know. But um, it's me back for all the times you made me think about my life. I, I did. I did. I asked you some tough questions and yes, it's like, come did. on, Colleen. <laughs> um, okay, I'll take it. Healthy relationship. I think a healthy relationship is um a a interaction between two individuals um, or two groups mm-hmm. or even two systems, an interaction between two beings <laughs> um, that um, is based on um, respect, um, appreciation, compassion, um, and like love. Yeah. Just, you know, and, and I, I'm trying to be vague on purpose because I think relationships exist between everyone and everything, right. When you really boil it down, it's not just you and your intimate partner. It's not, you know, you and your family or you and your job or your job and the organization that runs it. Or, you know, I would even say there's relationships between countries. There's a relationship between the environment and yourself. There's a relationship between you and your belongings. Like, and, and, and a healthy relationship is one, again, that's based on these, um, these core values of respect, love, appreciation, um, and probably a couple other things, but on the spot, that's what I would say. Um, and yeah, we're, we're all in relation with everything at, at all mm-hmm. times. And, um, those are a couple core values that I think are important in, in, in healthy relationships. Yeah. I think also what I've, I agree with that too, but I think also what I've learned to have a healthy relationship with other beings, you have to have a healthy relationship with yourself too. Ooh, mm-hmm. So, so that obviously goes back to all the self-care that we were just talking about and everything. So I know a lot of like the group, the almost 30 group that we're in, a lot of people talk about really like Mm-hmm. Uh, romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. You want to dive in a little bit about a healthy yeah. romantic relationship? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're right. A lot of people pop into that group space um, with a lot of really yeah. interesting stories, and um, some are awesome. Some break my heart, um, yeah. and it, it's. Um, I'm glad that that space exists to really support them. I'll say that. So a healthy, intimate relationship, um, I would say has boundaries, um, Mm -hmm. for sure. It is based on these, um, 
values as well as values that are important to those individuals. Um, and here's another thing I would say about healthy relationships. Um, so there's an amazing book, by the way, by Don Miguel Ruiz mm-hmm. called The Mastery of Love. Outstanding. I've read it like three times. I've recommended it to at least half of my clients. Uh, <laughs> and one of the things in that book that I love is that a healthy relationship is not this codependent Um, Mm -hmm. if not like dependence on the other person. A lot of times you'll hear, oh, they they make me feel alive or they're my better half or I don't know what I would do without them. And that signifies dependence where, you know, without that person, you are not full. And I think the foundation of a healthy relationship is when you have two full people who, when they come together, the healthy relationship is that space and exchange and interaction between two full people. It's the overflow of love and respect and appreciation and fun that really creates the foundation for a healthy relationship versus two. um, And I'm, I'm speaking in generalizations. I really don't like to talk about people this way, but like two empty or broken or, um, you know, um, hurting individuals coming together. And just because the pieces fit, doesn't mean they're meant to be together. Um, and I think that that is kind of, um, it has the potential for people getting hurt, if not further like um, da- damaged um, mm-hmm. or, you know, so, so I'd like to, th- I like to think of two holes coming together um, as a healthy relationship and understanding that the relationship between you is just one relationship. You still have to have a relationship with yourself, even if you're in an intimate relationship. And I think that people lose themselves in the relationship. Um, and, and that, and that's also not the healthiest thing either. No. Yeah. I agree with that. Cause speaking from experience, that's how all my relationships have gone. I've completely lost myself. Then I get angry, resentful, mm-hmm not the nicest girlfriend, Mm -hmm. even in friendships, I feel like, or family, like, because like, even with my family, we have so many different views on life, like, they're very religious, and I'm not, and when they start going on their religious stuff, I'm just like, I can't deal with this, and then I start getting all, like, crazed about it, but I'm like, well, no, I just need to stick true to what I believe, and they believe what they believe, I believe what I believe, and yeah. You just got to be yourself regardless. Right. And there's no, there's no like judgment or um, trying to change them if it's two holes, because then you can recognize mm-hmm. I'm, over, I'm over here. I'm okay. Right. And they're over here and they're okay. And we can still have our interaction and relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even though they are super religious and I am not. Um, funny example. I'm literally at my partner's house and behind me, I don't know if you can see this. There's a deer head. Uh, no. And, um, I I share that example with you because that is something that is important to him. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely not important to me. And, and we have different opinions about that. I can still love him. I can still respect him, um, and hold my beliefs because I understand that we are in relation, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm still my own person. So I, if I'm if I'm not getting this right, you can correct me. But I think I remember you when we were t- working together. You said, "Is this something you're willing to accept about him or not? If not, then you need to you need to decide if you want to stay or leave with that yes. acceptance thing." Yes. 
So like the deer head on the wall is something mm-hmm. I couldn't accept, but that's just me regard. I mean, it's not like they're a bad person or anything, but so, right. So like you've chosen yeah. to accept that about right. him as well. Like you're yeah. picking your battles, I guess. You yeah. It's also, it's also just, again, that self-awareness of, um, is this impacting me? Does, mm-hmm. does this impact me? And, um, if, if I'm being honest, the point that I am in my life and in my relationship, his once a week going out to um, harvest an animal with a group of like three generations of men in his family where this is their week where they get to, like for him, that's a value for him that I understand it on a deeper level because I've engaged in those conversations with him. Does it affect me? If I'm being honest, not really. Mm-hmm. Would I Would I ever do it? No. Um, do I like that there's a deer head up in this area? No. Um, but it's something that I am willing to tolerate, mm-hmm. um, to have a relationship with him because of all the other things he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, now in my previous relationship, I was with him for eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, we were engaged and there were things that I was not willing to tolerate. Um, and things that weren't even like, you know, against my values, like, you know, um, harvesting an animal and hunting and, and guns and things like that. Um, but more subtle things that just energetically did affect me. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where I was like, I'm just not willing to tolerate these things. And I had to make a decision where it's, do I want to stay? Is this something I'm willing to cope with for the rest of my life? Or do I need to go? And I decided I needed to go. So that's a really, and I'm glad that you say, cause that's a really personal thing, Colleen. And I'm going to encourage individuals to really think about, don't think about expectations or standards or what other people think or their opinions. This is a really personal decision. If you're yeah. struggling in your relationship, really sit down and think about um, what do you need to stay? And are you willing to work on those things? And what are the things that you cannot tolerate? Because they're not going to change. We're adults. We're like, we're, we can grow. Absolutely. I'm in the business of helping people grow and heal. Um, And at the same time, like particularly in relationships, a lot of those chronic um, issues that keep coming up, the underlying root issue is usually a difference in values um, and or lifestyles, and it's not going to change. And are you willing to cope and tolerate with that? Tolerate that for the rest of your relationship. If not, you really need to think about Mm -hmm. you and, and, and is this something that you can do? Yeah. I think that willingness piece is, do I like it? No, but I'm willing. <laughs> to right. I it. think like in your circumstances, it's like a generational thing. It's like, they're not going out and abusing animals. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's completely, completely different going out and hunting, legally hunting an animal versus person like beating up a dog or something mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean? Or just mm-hmm. animal cruelty. It's a completely different mm-hmm. thing. So yeah, I get that. Yeah. And just like I had to ask him to show up with compassion and understanding and curiosity for some of the things that I value and I think are important and I engage in, like he never did a yoga class before he met me (laughs) ever, ever. And most men don't, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he showed so much like openness and curiosity and intrigue with that area of my life. Does he go to yoga classes with me? No, but will he, if he walks into a room and sees me practicing, he'll close the door and be like, sorry. And he honors and respects that. And so, you know, I had to show up. It really challenged me actually 
to show up with the same compassion, understanding, and <laughs> curiosity with um, when I w- first walked into his home and was like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and instead of jumping into judgment immediately, yeah. really kind of um, engaging on that deeper level conversation. And then I was able to recognize, okay, I'm willing yeah. to tolerate that. I think the acceptance and what you're willing to accept, I think that goes along with your core values, Mm -hmm. which I've learned a lot about with you and Casey. Um, But do you want to touch up on that? Like, because I feel a lot of people don't know their core values. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm still one of those that are still, I need to really actually sit down and dig deeper with those. Mm -hmm. But I think if you know your core values, then you're willing, you know what you're willing to accept in any either romantic relationship with family, with friends, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So there are so many assessments that you can do that can help you figure this out if you're really struggling. Okay. Um, One of them, actually, I think we actually did it in our work together was the via character strengths, VIA. Um, and basically it's an assessment, um, based off of like the father of positive psychology. There's 24 character strengths that all of us have, but we tend to tap into like three to five pretty consistently. So that's a free assessment that you can do. I think it's via strengths.org or something like that. Um, and it actually gives a description of them. Yeah. But there's a lot. So that's not just one. I just, that's a free one. If it's free, it's for me. So, um, and it's based in science and it's really well done. Um, but you might actually know your values. And if you, and if you think you don't, here's a, here's a really good activity. Think about regardless of your role, regardless of um, what you're doing, how do you show up? And um, think about things that you were passionate about as a kid. Think about um, things that let your heart on fire, both positively and negatively, things that spark excitement and joy and things that spark rage, right? And just mm-hmm. anger. Like usually these are things um, that can really kind of turn you on to what your values are because there, there's a difference between personality traits and character values, characterological values. Personality traits are things that we learn to um, help us in social situations. Characterological strengths and values are things that are deeply ingrained um, and things that we tap into regardless if people are looking or not. So for example, a few of my values are honesty, um, fairness, um, leadership, judgment, like those, those are, those are a few. And it's interesting because, um, I, I, I judged myself for having those values because I was like judgment. Oh my gosh, that's a value. I'm a therapist and coach. I don't want to be judgmental, but that when I read into what the judgment was, it's my ability to trust my instincts. It's my ability to take perspectives and seek understanding and make decisions that really serve the greater good based on the fact that I am honest and I am fair and I try to look at the whole picture. Um, And even from a young age, I saw that. I would get pissed when when I saw bullying happening. I would get pissed off when someone got picked based off of X, Y, and Z right? Like fairness has always been something that's been important Mm -hmm. to me. When people lie, like that is the quickest way to discontinue our relationship. 
Yeah. When people don't show integrity, quickest way to discontinue our interactions. Like honesty has always been something that's been important to me. So um, think about that. And here's the interesting thing about values. Not only do they show up in your relationships, they show up in how you treat your body. They mm -hmm. show up in how you spend your money. They show up in how you choose to spend your time. It's not just how you're going to show up in a relationship and things that are going to excite you versus make you angry. Like that, true values are going to show up in every area of your life. Okay. So the values then go with the character strengths and then personality is society or like coping with society or sorry, I'm getting that wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a great book that talks about this, the seven habits of highly effective people. He explains it extremely well. Um, but basically there's characterological traits, which are things that are just deeply ingrained in most humans. If, if you know, your core values, which would be your core values. Yeah. And like then, similar to your core. Values. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then there's personality traits, which are things that we can learn. And usually, um, we learn them in terms of how to like interact with people and systems oh. and organizations and things that kind of influence our external world. Um, now, sometimes we engage in them so often and we really foster them and, and build on them that they, you know, eventually become values or become like how we define ourselves. But there is a really clear distinction yeah. between those and core values. Yeah. I think like when you ask people about yourself or about themselves, they always talk about their personality when yeah. that's not really what their core being is and that's not really what their soul who their soul is like yeah. personality is so different from who your soul is yeah or being yeah and this is so, oh my goodness i love i love this topic because <laughs> so you so you know from working with me i'm a nerd i read every single day of my life um, i swallow books yeah um, and there's two really different perspectives on this topic so i'm also a licensed mental health therapist. So I can also go down the psychology road of the ego, right? Where when you ask people, who are they? They start describing the ego, the labels and behaviors and traits that they, that they think they are, that they, that they've fostered and developed to sh describe how they show up to the world or the labels that people have put on them, such as I am a, you know, 30 year old Latina coach or therapist or social worker. I'm, you know, I have two kids. I live here. Like those, those are, um, identifiers and labels that a lot of people yep. use to describe who they are. And they'll go on to deeper and be like, you know, I'm super organized and I'm super honest and you know, I'm this and I'm that. And I would even venture to say like, that's probably part of the ego. That's like your resume. Yeah. That's like what you put on your resume. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like my Facebook bio or my one page resume. It's like, no, boo boo. That's not who you are. And then here's where the spiritual aspect of me comes into play. Um, then, then there's things like the untethered soul, um, which is an outstanding book where he actually opens up and talks about, instead of asking who you are, ask, who am I not? Hmm. And I am not a social worker. I am not, you know, um, a Latina. I am not um, a girl who lives in Philly. I am not boom, 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 boom. And what you're left with is who you are. Yeah. And how can you show up to the world more in alignment with that being? And that's how you find fulfillment, peace, clarity. And from that space, can make decisions more in alignment with your values.
Yeah, so I think that for people to like find their core values, they have to kind of get away from all the resume Mm -hmm. verbiage and wording and Mm -hmm. really dig deep and be like, who am I? What is like, who is my soul? Mm -hmm. Then they can find their core values, which will help with all the external relationships and everything. Wow. That's crazy how that kind of just all circles back around. It's all, all this stuff is related. Like people try to like put these things in boxes and make them mutually exclusive. It's all the same stuff. Mm -hmm. It's all the same stuff. There's a current running under all of it that connects it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it all starts with yourself. (laughs) All starts with yourself. All starts with the self-awareness, the self-relationship. Everything's a reflection of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love you. I love you you too. I love that you're doing this. I remember when this was an idea and it just speaks to the name and nature of the podcast, Dare to Move, because this was a a dare to move for you, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely, um, I don't even remember. I got to listen to all our recordings, but I don't even remember like what my problem was. I think I have was really... I think I remember it was like my low self-esteem monsters kicking in and I'm just, I think I had like imposter syndrome. I'm like, who the hell is going to want to listen to me? And I think mm-hmm. that's probably what my thing was. And if you didn't push me to just, cause you made me like write down like this week, you're going to pick the name of your podcast. <laughs> this week you're going to reach out to people. And I'm like, okay, I guess I have to do it now because yeah. you're making me do it. But I mean, you helped me like build the courage to do it. And then while doing it there, I was talking to one of the interviewees I had on, I was talking to her at the end after the recording, I was like, I still have to record my first solo episode, like the first episode. And I was freaking out. She's like, Colleen, just do it. Mm -hmm. So I got off the call with her and I just did it. And then now here we are. And I have like eight episodes out, I think now. So it was just amazing. And that speaks so much to like, courage and bravery a lot of times people wait for the motivation or they wait for the right time or they think when this then that but really um do it now just just do it if you're getting the soul tap or the nudge to do it just do it know that that didn't just come out of thin air you were meant to feel hear, and receive Mm -hmm. that and that once you start taking action the universe will support you and work with you but it's going to wait for you to say yes i am doing this yeah and courage and bravery is a muscle it's built it takes acting in spite of fear and resistance and it gets it gets easier it doesn't ever go away because that's human nature but it does get easier and that's how we become quote unquote like fearless or strong or, you know, it's, it's by in those moments of insecurity, fear, and uncertainty that we just take action anyway. And messy action, messy action in the beginning, just do it anyway. It's not going to be perfect. And now, (laughs) and now I'm starting websites and I'm like, Oh God. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, this will probably take months for it to come out. That's okay. At least I did it and I'm starting. Yes. Yes. Totally fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So proud of you. Oh, thank you. I'm proud of you too, because you're great. <laughs> mm, I received that. Thank you. <laughs> um, so 
what I ask, I usually ask my guests this, what, was there a time in your life where you felt really stuck with your life? Yes, I was 25, maybe 26. I was working my way up the, in the agency that I was in. Um, I was on track to be the youngest coordinator for the agency. Um, I had a really good reputation in the community. I was going above and beyond. It got to the point where like, I was, I was my, I was, I had to stop accepting referrals. I was doing so well. Um, from the outside looking in, I was fit. I was debt free. Um, I had a beautiful home. Um, my partner and I were together for eight years. We were getting married. We were traveling the world. Um, everything looked great, but on the inside, I, I was screaming. I would, I did not understand what the feeling was because from the outside looking in, it was, everything was fine. If not great, I just kept thinking, stop complaining, be grateful. Like there's nothing wrong. Just keep doing the thing. And I felt paralyzed by the fear and I just didn't take action. I just kept doing all the things to keep all the plates spinning in my life. But this nagging feeling would not go away. And I hung out with it for a while. I would say it started probably three years earlier but just kept getting louder and louder. And, and I just kept avoiding it, ignoring it, kept grinding, white knuckling through, like just grit and resilience, just tapping in. I just kept going, going, going. And I just hit a breaking point. I was in um, Brazil. I was in Rio de, de Janeiro at the Christ the Redeemer with my partner at the time. And I just looked at him and I, like he, he was like, what just happened? And I was like, we're going to have to talk when we get back to the States. Wow. And I, it just hit me. I was just standing there looking at the, to date, the most epic sunset I've ever seen in my life. And I just was like, you can't marry him. Wow. And you have to quit your job and you have to move like as soon as you get home. And I, the next fucking morning I was out, like I, wow. I, I packed just a gym bag. Um, I left all my furniture. I just, I took what I needed for the next few days and I just left. I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, now that's a very extreme story, but I share that because it was three years of feeling stuck and me not taking action, me avoiding the feeling, me um, invalidating my own feelings and reactions and needs and just persevering through and, and really kind of tapping myself on the back and almost acknowledging and recognizing myself for pushing through being like, wow, you're so strong. You're so great. Like when really <laughs> the stronger thing to do was actually to sit with it and spend time with it and understand it and, and lean into it and understand what, what it's happening. What do I need? Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, it took taking bold action, um, you know, to get unstuck because it was like, like jump now or forever, like stay. Um, but I also had like the pressure of like in three weeks, I was getting on a plane to go to Aruba to say I do. So, you know, Shit, three I, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. So um, that's, again, that, that's an example for me. Um, I know that's not true for everyone, but what I do, what I do, what I do think could be a relatable aspect of that story is the years of feeling stuck and not mm -hmm. doing anything about it.
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Years. Wow. Years. Three, but more, I would say a solid three years, probably more, but a solid three years that I just ignored it. Cause I didn't want to, I, I was following a plan, Colleen. I had a plan. You were I, following the society norm. Plan. Yeah. Yeah. I had a plan. That was a plan. Wow. You know, and I didn't want to mess up the plan. I didn't want to disappoint people. I didn't want to be ungrateful, you wow. know? And uh, like you said, like we started off the call, you know, I wasn't in a position where taking time to actually be with myself, think for myself, make decisions for myself, take care of myself was, you know, support it. That wasn't the case. So I needed to be bold and, and do what I needed to do. And for me, that was leaving, but that doesn't have to be that for everyone. And we've talked about this, you know, um, it could be um, seeing a therapist, like mm -hmm. working with a coach, talking to a friend, coming out of the shadows, letting go of the shame and embarrassment and knowing you're not the only one and actually sitting down and working through it through meditation, journaling, talking to someone, having that conversation with your partner or friend or employer um, and, and just making small sustainable change. It doesn't have to be this big drastic life changing, you know, move for me at digs that was the type of person I was, but for, for you, it can look very different. Even now at this point in my life, it would look different if I ever got to that point. But I also, because I think of myself as like a self-care G, I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good at it. Um, I would notice it immediately and be like, Ooh, what is that? And I would, I would sit with it and make a decision that's good for me. Yeah. And it, it does take years to get to that point. I think that story is so good for listeners because we probably all sit there for years with the same ping from the universe like you need to do this you need to do that and no one does anything and then a lot of people probably like you were just like yeah I'm just gonna quit my job today or I'm just gonna like leave this relationship or move or whatever like drastically yeah but in reality it's like they could have did it like smoother yeah just listen to the universe like right. years ago or six right. months ago or whatever I think people yeah. are so afraid of making the wrong decision and there are very few wrong decisions. Like yeah. there are two, there are two things off the top of my head that are irreversible, giving birth and ending a life. Other than that, the universe is auto correcting. Like it will be okay. You yeah. will be fine. You will rebound. Like just do what you need to do and just with the information you have and just trust that you're going to land on your feet. Like we are like cats. Like you, I don't know if you've ever had a cat, you toss a cat off the couch or off the bed or, or they jump up and you yell at them, get, get off the fridge. They're going to land on their feet. We're the same way. Yeah. Even when we don't feel it, but yeah, exactly. Just take the leap. You'll be fine. Wow. Ah, see, I knew I, this is why dare to move, dare to move. Right. Colleen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess with that, I also asked people, what would you tell someone listeners that feel stuck with their life, what would you tell them to do? Explore. Actually take out time, honor the time to sit with it. A lot of times we jump right into problem solving without actually being mindful of what's happening because mm -hmm. it's so uncomfortable. And then what ends up happening is we work around the problem versus working through it. Yeah. And, we, and we create quote unquote change, but it's not sustainable because we, really what we did was we put a bandaid on a broken bone. Like I would say, if, you, if you're feeling stuck, sit with it, intentionally sit with it, explore it, understand, 
what is it? What's it feel like physically? What are the thoughts surrounding it? What are the emotions that are present? What created it? What's facilitating it, right? What's keeping it going? What are, what are some options? And lean into kind of what that looks like. Cause it's not just like, do I stay or do I go? Like there's other options and you can, ex- you can explore them and, and really make a decision that's in alignment with you. But before you decide, sit, sit with it and understand what's actually happening. So that way you're making a decision in alignment with what's really going on and what's going to yeah. move you towards what you really want. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I know you wanted to mention your uh, free clarity calls. Yeah. I mean, people can connect with me. I love, I obviously I can talk a lot and I love sharing, um, but I also just love kind of facilitating this process for others. So if you're feeling stuck um, in a relationship and a job, if you're feeling just unfulfilled in your life, um, feel free to reach out. Like I love to connect. Um, my Facebook and Instagram are great ways, but also you can just go on my website, which is www.jessicademarcus.com. And there's a link on there to book like a free clarity call, which is just what it sounds like. It's a free one-on-one call with me to chat, um, to see if we can help you gain some clarity. And, um, if you wanted to work together, we can explore that too, but I'm really just looking to kind of connect and share and help facilitate this process of support in any way I can. Cause I know it takes a lot of courage to reach out and I'm more than happy to honor that with men or women, you know, because mm-hmm. it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter because we all experience this. And I think there's even more shame and embarrassment for men reaching out and that's a whole nother soapbox, but I know. yeah, any, anyone, please feel free to reach out. Um, you can just click and it takes you right to my schedule and pick any open time. Nice. So what do you do? You, are they like short, like 30 minute calls or what are they? Yeah, they're, they're like 30 to 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 30 to 60 minutes. So it's not like, hey, like my name, Jessica, what's your name? Like, you know, here's this. It's not quick. Like it's, you know, I, my intention is to offer value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think I remember our first call. You definitely even were giving me advice on my first call. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll work with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that you were at work. It was a Friday afternoon. You took yeah. your lunch break. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Actually, I think I was leaving early for something. I forgot what I was, I don't remember. That was back, that was a while ago. That was a while ago. Yeah, that was like in the spring. It was May. Mm-hmm. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where can people follow you and connect with you? Yeah, my Instagram is JM Demarcus, um, and my Facebook is Jessica Marie. Um, both my Facebook and Instagram are linked on my website, um, so you can also just probably Google me. So anyway, you can connect with me. <laughs> All right. Well, you are a delight, and I loved having you. you on. You'll have to come back on because I know we could totally do a whole soapbox um, topic. So you're definitely going to come back on, and we'll talk. We'll figure something out. But. Deal, deal. You know me and my soapbox. Just give yep. me the mic. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for having me on, Colleen. I love this space and so proud of you. Anyway, I can support you or your audience. Let me know, okay? Thank you so, so much for tuning in and listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you love this podcast, please share it with someone you think needs to hear it, who would love to hear it. That's how this is going to get spread. That's how love is going to get spread. That's my goal for this podcast is just spread as much love and self-reflection and, you know, we're all on this journey together. So the more people that you can tell, the more people you share this podcast with, the more it gets out. Um, if you could also rate and review 
on any podcast platform that you listen to. I would truly, truly appreciate it. I love you all so much. Thank you.